walking down the street and what do I see? Another film on Netflix looking at me. It looks good. Good. What the hell's that film? Film. Another Son of a Ginger episode. Guess what we're gonna review? You already know it's Buster. Buster. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Scruggs! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Son of a Ginger. I'm your wonderful co host, this side of the Mississippi, Patrick Baylor. My name is Levi Cornwallis. But that ain't your given name. What's your Christian given name, sir? My Christian name is Mason Cornwallis Moreau. <laughs> well, howdy, Mason. And we're going to drop the accents now. And yeah, we're, we're welcome now. to another Son of a Ginger episode. And you can tell from our song, we're recording the wonderfully unique, little weird, little fun film known as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, directed by the wonderful Coen Brothers. And we can just say it now, man. This was a little bit of an off-the-wall movie. A unique movie in that we had six little mini-movies. Six little, not even mini-movies, episodes. Vignettes, if you will, in this film. This two and two and almost and a half hour film. I think, what, an hour, 15 minutes, something around that. Yeah, it was around two hours, uh, just or just over two hours. And it's packed full of these beautiful little Western tales that are... Uh, sometimes over the top, sometimes believable, uh, but they all sort of just center around the Wild West and what was going on in that time period. Yeah, and uh, so some background, some history of how this film got made, uh, of what I briefly glanced at and briefly read and can tell you about more, is that the Coen brothers wrote all these different little stories over the course of 20 or even more years uh, and just kind of didn't know what to do with them. Packed them back in their drawer, back in their cabinets. Those aren't really southern things. We all have that still. Western things. And then I think just really the opportunity presented itself to put these all together. And I'd say I guess it's their most daring thing yet. I know a lot of studios didn't really want to touch it because it was so non-conventional. Yeah, that was one of the first things I picked up on when I started watching it. It was like I can tell why Netflix jumped on this because it really doesn't seem like any studios would it would be a hard sell to studios you know what i mean yeah it's like you're gonna ask them to you're gonna ask an audience to sit down and watch two hours of mini stories it was it'd be like uh similar to grindhouse you remember the grindhouse movies you know it was a it was a couple movies with an intermission that and it only opened in select theaters it wasn't like a big thing but the reason people got to it was because of the name and so no no studios really wanted to touch this, and so Netflix jumped at the opportunity. Now we have The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, and I think Netflix is a good avenue for this film because it worked for what we use Netflix for, and you know sometimes you know you're a busy kid and you don't have two hours and fifteen minutes to sit down and watch something, but maybe you could watch vignettes number one through three, then you fall asleep, then you can watch the next two, and then you fall asleep again, and then you watch another one. So that's me and my sleepy weekend of trying to watch this film. But gladly you got through it, and you know, got to watch a couple again. And I think it's good for that little snackable nature. I know I was telling that exact thing to some of my coworkers, and some of the, my more seasoned coworkers were just scoffing, saying I was a too busy millennial. Didn't yeah. have time for good cinema. 
because it is a pretty film. Yeah, um, I watched these these out of order. First of all, mm. uh, I I watched them with a friend, and he was like, "Okay, some of these I didn't like. I've seen it before, so we'll skip through those, and you can watch them later." And I was like, "All right, fine." I really didn't want to do it, but I was okay with it. And then I got to work the next day. And uh, my boss was like, or I told him my boss I watched a little bit of it. And he was like, you didn't watch it all the way through? Yeah. I was like, well, it, like, it really kind of isn't designed for it. Yeah. But you I know saw, what I mean? That's the thing. I saw the disappointment in my, in my, uh, my coworkers' faces as I told them that. So I uh, was inspired to watch the rest all the way through and then maybe watch some again. But I'm not trying to watch a two-and-a-half-hour movie again all the way through. But I understand why because I think it's a certain... It's a certain like mindset you get in, you know. You really feel like like at least by the last one that you are in the old west and you kind of like fit in and uh especially with the sixth one being like just in a car, you kind of feel like you're in that car ride, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting a little bit of deja vu back to when The Walking Dead was so super popular and we used to play and playing Nazi zombies and zombies were everywhere for a good 8 months. You know, zombies were just dominating pop culture. Yeah. Right now, it's totally about the Western. Yep. And so, like, I'm just in this Western mood all the time. I'm using a, a cowboy. Cowpoke. I'm using a cowpoke accent to say funny things. And, it, like, it, I don't, it's just a fun time. I mean, like. And obviously, the big other thing, other piece of media that's coming out that is also on our PS4 is readily available. It's Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 2. We've been playing a lot of that. Oh, yes, son. This episode's not about that, but I just want to take a moment to say that that game is incredible. It's a lot of fun. And because... <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And I think because of playing it, like I can understand and am immersed more in the film because I think I never knew what some of like the colloquial... Collo- whoa, 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 that's a big word. Colloquialisms. These colloquialisms... That they say in the game and just the way their way of life, I understood immediately because in in Buster Scruggs, you know, I because I felt like a cowboy in there, and I just felt like, hey, I'm Arthur Morgan, and here this Buster Scruggs universe too, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I've been really digging westerns leading up to Red Dead Redemption Two. I was watching like Three Ten to Yuma uh, because I just wanted to get in that western mood and i've sort of grown this appreciation for the genre and seeing this one was like a brand new take on on it it was comedic uh sort of like blazing saddles made by tarantino like (laughs) that's how i could describe it but i don't want to take the originality away from the coen brothers at the same time you know what i mean i don't want to say that they're copying another filmmaker because they are so original i think i just like the thing that the Coen brothers, I guess, I think they've committed to it purposely of going dr- drama, comedic, drama, comedic, drama, comedic. Yeah. And this one kind of does that. It's a mixture of all of them. Yeah. And then it does that, I wouldn't say with the order, but I think we get, I'd say we get three more funnier ones and then three more serious ones of these, of these uh, six vignettes in this film. Yeah, and it, but even though even the serious ones though have a little bit of a lightheartedness, like this whole movie is is sort of a romp. Yeah, right. It's uh, you can tell the actors are having fun making it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the way the sets are built, they're all they all are like the traditional two D house sets. At least some of them yeah. are like uh, the my, the thing that comes to mind is uh, James Franco's vignette where he's standing outside of a bank. You can totally tell that that is a wooden wall, and they make they light of up. it, and like it's yeah. so obvious. And that's what makes it yeah funny. To and watch. so they just say like it's so it, like it's also an ode to tr- filmmaking in that way where they're just like. It's in the same way that people want to use film or practical effects, like they want to preserve the technique used. It's a good way to um, sort of say, like, hey, this is the vibe we want our movie to have. Like, we don't care if it doesn't look good. Yeah, it's classic, man. It's a classic style, and it's familiar, and some more senior people watching it can just, like, you know, respect and be like, oh, I remember those times. Those were nice, weren't they? And what's awesome about Westerns is that they exist in a world that's fully realized and just as much as Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Mad Max. Yeah, the universe right? has but been they created. Occur, it occurs in, or it, it, it has roots in actual history and actual things that went on. You know, there are obviously the Buster Scruggs short and many of these shorts have some like Hollywood movie magic, but that's on purpose. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, and that's and like we were saying, that movie magic I think can just make you more immersed in this little cinematic world they're weaving that they've actualized and has made it so fun to watch because made that romp so rompy. Since we have these six, I want to ask: Do you have a favorite or a least favorite of these six? Meal up. ticket was my least favorite one. I found it very boring and repetitive, and I lost interest very quickly. And so when we were watching that, that was the film. That I fell asleep to. You know, it had its it had its little arc. It had the climactic point. It had all the story structure that you needed, but it was just a li- a couple minutes too long. You know what I mean? They could have cut it down and gotten the same point across. And ultimately, the stories surrounding it were just much more engaging. And so they push it down even further, in my opinion. Meal ticket, meal ticket was definitely a more tragic one of any of them. Actually, it wasn't the most tragic, though, but a tragic one. And, yeah, they could have made it three minutes. Not even three minutes. They could have made it two minutes, you know. Because here is me going to describe it right now. A skilled orator that uh, has no limbs is taken around many towns by Liam Neeson. And each town they get to is less and less engaged in everything. And Liam Neeson just thinks, well, how can I get the next thing that gets more butts in the seats and gets money? And then he, at one town, he sees, sees a chicken uh, do math. And then he drowns uh, his limbless friend. The end. So how long was that? Because he bought a chicken that can do math. Yeah, because he bought a chicken that can do math. So, yeah. I don't know how long that was, but that that's the third vignette in a nutshell. Yeah. I guess um, at, ex- at its strengths... The that short is self-referential in a way because it's like or the themes of that short because it's it's a man making a business out of saying hey look at this entertainment I'm bringing you right and he tragically makes the wrong choice and has forced to pay the consequences of right whatever those consequences of what his choice of the limbless guy not getting the most butts in the yes. seats. He sacrificed art for a quick buck. Yeah, you're right. Right? Because, yeah, that's the one thing of uh, this guy, played by this limbless character, played by 
Harry Milling, aka Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter franchise. Oh no ah, way! Yeah, dang. But well, he's a good actor. I had seen him as like the the highest, like one of the highest rising IMDb actors, and saw that he was familiar. And was like, oh, that's the that's that guy. Oh wait, he's Dudley. Yeah, oh. I definitely recognize him. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one was definitely All Gold Canyon. The story of a prospector, an old man. He's kind of coming to his last years. He's come out to the wilderness to find gold in the hills. Yeah. Mr. Pocket. Mr. Pocket. And that was Tom Waits playing that prospector. Tom Waits. Crazy. Yeah. And he played it perfectly in the most Tom Waitsy way he can. I feel like he didn't really do that much acting. Fun fact uh, the part, Heath Ledger's Joker was loosely based off of Tom Waits. Huh. I've been waiting. To hear that fact. Ha <laughs> ha, old chap. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we, we have good fun on this podcast. A real it? good rib tickler for you there. Oh, that you tickled my bones and yeah, man, edit this out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> story-wise, I thought, uh, I thought All Gold Canyon, the fourth one, I think was the most, yeah, the most like drawing. I felt... I totally felt just the mind frame that this kooky prospector was in. And I really felt for him when this dude just, you know, after it seemed like 10, 15 minutes of just mining for this Mr. Pocket, you know, once he gets uh, held up, I really felt sad for him. And I felt like I got cheated out of all of my work in watching all that. And it's like, ah, oh, man. Yeah. Getting it, robbed. Literally. It's the one that felt to me like a short story the most like a short story in a book of short stories yeah you know what i mean and that's that's the the overarching premise of this movie is that they're all in a book being read to us right um and i think that one felt the most like i could have been reading the same story in a book and had the same imagery and felt the same way and it would have transferred completely over i totally um, could see that in a picture book and hey i'd buy that picture book in the best way possible. Yeah. You know, like, I don't mean to say that it would be better as a book. But you know how to read. Uh, <laughs> I do know how to read, yes. Uh, I think my favorites, we just watched it again, so, you know, recency, maybe. I like, I like, uh, I like all Gold Canyon, but I think just the first one, Ballad of Buster, the first one, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, was just, it was the most... It was like the coolest one. It was the most filmy one. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson is a star. You know, I felt like this was written for him. And, you know, this was just a good, like, you know, Coen Brothers film partnership, you know, in all the work that Tim Blake Nelson had done for them and will continue to do so. Yeah, he's a frequent collaborator with the Coen Brothers. He's in many of their films. Yeah, you know, he just plays this little dandy guy that... Loves to play the guitar, and hey, he knows how to shoot a gun, too. He knows how to defend himself. I don't know. It, He's been known to violate the statues of man. I love that quote. Statutes of man. The statues of man. He <laughs> he uh, he does graffiti and shoots his guns on all the statues that I he like, sees from town to town. My name is Buster Scruggs, and I violate statues <laughs> oh my God. with my pecker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. So I ain't putting that pistol there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I love that it was like a little, I love that it was a little musical too. Uh, 
because you know we had songs and singing and humming and whistling throughout, but this was the one that kind of set the tone for hey, this film will have music in it, but this is the only musical part, and that was fun. I like a good musical. We were literally singing along to the subtitles. I wish I wish like Tim Blake Nelson's head was cut out and like jumped over each syllable. You know, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yippee, a sing along, yippee kai. You know, yep, exactly. Yippee kai. Ah, hey, boo, hoo, migos, ho, ho. Migos, that's another song you can make. Tim Blake Nelson Jr. Ha, ha, ha. He's junior. I think so. Maybe. Um, but you know, and now I'm, we're just listing all of them. Uh, well, you know, and then the last one was good. It was interesting. It, it had the most engaging conversation. Yeah, it, said it had great writing all around. Uh, the, the first one and the last one both had stellar writing. Had the best dialogue. Written. Yeah, it had the best dialogue. Um, but riddle but me this. I, yeah. I, I'm so, sorry I keep interrupting you. But uh, So riddle, riddle me this, though, Mason. How did that one end? I was a little uncertain on, like, were they being taken to death or something like that? Yes. Okay. I believe that it is a uh that that the two bounty hunters were taking these three people on to the next life. Okay. That's what I kind of um, gathered as well. Just, they never tell you. They don't tell you, but uh the imagery of everything kind of evoked that, especially when they did glance up briefly to to the guy like, you know, driving. And he said no. He said he or he didn't even respond when he said slow the coach down. Well, he looked like the damn Grim Reaper. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Not even the damn Grim Reaper. You know, it was just a black cloth rustling through the wind as as it just kept getting darker, too. That's one thing I noticed. You know, they started green, and then... It got darker and yeah, like, blacker. Yeah, and I don't even... like And just, like, the sides of things, too. Like, not even in the carriage itself, but just, like, yeah, like the sides, like, when it, when it would, like... When the camera would like shake over to like what they're passing by, yeah, it would, it would, the sky went from like it seemed like green to dark. So, yeah, uh, that one was good. It was very intriguing, and you wonder where it's going. Yeah. Now, as we reflect upon it, I understand it a little bit more. But I think maybe during the viewing, I think I wanted to understand more of where it was going. So maybe this is one where, especially if you watch it again now, kind of knowing things, it might make more sense because they all talk about how. They weren't that very good in their lives. You know, one guy was so tedious. One woman thought the world revolved around her. Another, The other dude just seemed not like a cheat, but the French guy, how do you describe him? He was a little bit... Um, pompous? Yeah, he was pompous. That's a good word for it. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that this would be the perfect movie to show someone who's never seen a Coen Brothers movie. Because it is like the perfect showcase of their strengths as filmmakers. Great cinematography. The humor and dark violence. Dark humor contrasted with violence. Great cast of actors that they normally get to play in their movies. Yeah. So it has all the, it has all the trimmings. It has all the makings of a good Coen Brothers movie. And it succeeds. Not on all fronts, but it does succeed. And it's a good showcase. Yeah. Of what makes the Coen brothers good. And I thought the fifth one as well was the most realized film as well. I think it had the most parts of a Coen brothers film. Uh, the fifth one 
I'm talking about the gal who got rattled. I really enjoyed uh, Zoe Kazan in there, and yeah, it was just a full story. Like that one, I think saw a real beginning, middle, and end. Yes, you know, yeah, as did, as sure. opposed to maybe uh, the one with the prospector, where we kind of saw a beginning and end. Kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd say we saw uh-huh. it with all of it, but you know, this was the most well written and actualized, for sure. I'd say, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it it had multiple parts uh, that sort of weaved through it, yeah, creatively, especially the I guess depressing irony of when President Pierce shows back up, yeah, and even yeah to the part you know where they're cornered by the by the Native Americans and she thinks that they're done for and he gives her that pistol and then you know he tells her to shoot if so she you know she doesn't get more more savaged by these folks and i don't know it's just also sad but it's like just a great setup and great writing yeah i I guess i would just say this i think that one was still the most well written the fifth segment as i explain it not in the nicest exactly not in the most uh filled out Eloquent terms. Not in the most eloquent terms. I need a fucking thesaurus. So, you were talking about colloquialisms earlier. And other good ratins. And other good ratins. Good good manifestations of the human mind. Oh, yeah. So, I've got a little game. Okay. Uh, I found an article. 40 extremely weird slang terms from the Wild West. Alrighty. And so, I am going to give you the chance to guess what some of these words mean. Oh boy, howdy, I'm excited. If you want to get, if you're allowed one sentence use per word. Okay. So I'll use it in one sentence that I will make up on the spot, so I can't promise it'll be good. Well, my fingers are crossed. start with an easy one. Highfalutin. Highfalutin? Highfalutin. Falutin. Highfalutin. An exclamation, you say, I don't know what else, an exclamation you say when someone steals your laundry. It is the manner of a self-important or pompous person. Could you I don't bother with them highfalutin gals over at the saloon. Okay, okay. All right, give me another. Backdoor trots. Backdoor trots. Sounds like uh, something if you eat too much bad Chipotle. Well, you would be right, because it is when you have diarrhea. Oh, whoa. Son of a gun. Well, Cindy must have put something weird in the dinnertime chuck. Because I just had the backdoor trots. Because I just had the backdoor trots. All right, let's go get another. Give me another. Give me another. Prairie coal. Prairie coal. Is that a polite word for feces? What kind of feces? Oh, okay there. Uh, feces from your horse. Wrong. It is dried cow manure. Okay. Used to fuel to. fires. Oh, I, I was fairly close. I so, think I could make a living out here. Hence the, the name prairie coal, because you go out and get it and it fuels your fire. Son of a gun, that makes sense. All right, give me one or two more. However, the most entertaining ones, you think? Painting your nose. Painting your nose. Uh, first thing that comes to mind are things that a lot of businessmen did in the 80s, but I don't think that's it. <laughs> uh, putting on makeup. It's not. It is a term for getting drunk. Ah, I'm going to get my face painted, bro. Nose painted. I'm going to get my nose painted, bro. All right, last one. Hair in the butter. By George, I got hair in the butter. Uh, means that there's infidelity in your home. 
Is that your guess? I don't know, Darlene. I think there's some hair in the butter, and we need to talk to our marriage counselor, Darlene. I didn't have marriage counselors back in the Wild West. You just had to bottle your feelings up and then drink another bottle of bourbon. Am I right, or am I right? So when you have hair in the butter, that's when a situation is delicate. So I wasn't wrong. <laughs> wrong. It was just very specific. Now, ma'am, we have some real hair in the butter with this situation. I seem to have had relations with someone who's not my wife. Well, what are we going to do then here, there, Martin? Martin and Darlene. They're the married couple that are going to work it out. I don't know what I'm going to do here, Jimmy, but I'm going to take a few shots of whiskey, and I'm going to figure it out. Is Jimmy the third person in this love affair? In this love triangle that we're weaving here in the West? Jimmy's the bartender. Oh. Well, okay, so that, now we know what he does. So, I got you. The, the, the Wild West priest. Martin and Jimmy sitting in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a good game. Everyone clap. Boy, howdy. Howdy. Howdy there, blather Scott. <laughs> uh, what else do we have to talk about that we didn't So, write? here's one question that uh, I want to ask before we close out. This will be our closing thoughts question. We've, we've kind of spent a decent amount of time sharing our thoughts on the movie as a whole already. So we'll close with this question. Do you think this movie will be nominated for an Oscar? This movie's weird because, it, again, it again toes with that line of what is Netflix? Is Netflix in the TV business or are they in the movie business? You know, And I would like to see it registered as a TV movie. I don't know, and but then that's still even more competition. So it's just such a unique thing because, you know, we get episodes within a film and maybe it can get some best picture love, but I think because all six are so fragmented, I think votes would be fragmented in either race. Maybe a Golden Globe and that'd be nice. You know, I would love to see some love for Tim Blake Nelson because he really fell into the role. Yeah, I think the most promise this movie has for being nominated for any awards like that would be technical awards or uh, performances. Yeah, because boy howdy was right when I saw those opening shots for the first one. I, no, I mean, I'm at a loss for words. It was freaking cool, man. The camera work was great. Yeah, the colors just popped, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I really felt like I was transported in the West, and it really was a welcome thing to see, you know, after playing probably couple hours of red dead beforehand and then watching that and then i was like oh man i really like this cut scene how'd i get here you know exactly you're taken right back i think this movie was a great treat a great offering from netflix for sure yeah uh you know they you really get your money's worth out of subscribing to netflix yeah i mean yeah it's unique and i'm glad that netflix did take a chance on it and i think it's something that i hope you know other streaming services i think because i don't think this could exist in a traditional sit-in-a-theater film. Well, it it did thing. open in a few theaters. Yeah, but uh, again, I, you know... So I mean, that might be for awards consideration. That's exactly why, you know? That's what, that's what we're talking about, and that's what it's for, you know? Because otherwise, yeah, I think this exists great on a streaming service, something that could you could pick back up on. Because I would have watched it probably throughout a week if these were spliced up into 25-minute episodes each, which they could have been. Or like 20-minute episodes. Yeah, definitely. They could have been elongated. Some of the episodes could have been two stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it totally could have been a show, not that it doesn't work as a movie. And that's the thing. It has this fluid existence, right? It, it doesn't really 
define itself as a movie, but it also doesn't really define itself as something that's TV. But you know, you can, and then you can make them your own episodes by you know, okay, cool, this ep- this vignette ended. I'm gonna hit the pause button and do my thing. I'll watch this tomorrow or something like that. It's cool to see this succeed, and I think Netflix, I think, will get its competitors to follow suit. In that you know, this came out, and then beforehand, their TV show miniseries Maniac came out, which plays like a full-blown film and luckily you know they're not making four and a half hour movie or like they're not making those monumentous movies anymore because they are hard to watch you know we don't have any once upon a time in america's from like what 84 with robert de niro that one's yeah that one clocks in at four and a half hours that would be a mini series now you know people don't got time to literally spend a literal afternoon in a theater to watch something as cool as that film probably is i haven't gotten to see it so i don't want to knock it something i haven't seen but Netflix, I think, is smart, and I hope others follow suit in like being aware of viewers' time in a very constant, congested, saturated media world that we live in. You know? Yeah. So I, with that, we'd like to end. With that, uh, how can the rest of our viewers be congested and saturated with our content? You can ingest and saturate yourselves with our own content by going to... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the Google Play Store, and Stitcher. And with that, it was good shooting, Tex. It was a good time with you, and I hope to do this again next week, because we are guaranteeing that we will do it next week, probably. I'm Sheriff Patrick Baylor. I've been Mason Cornwallis Moreau. And I hope y'all both have a pleasant evening, morning, afternoon, or whatever the hell. Why last? <laughs>